This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, October 7th. I'm Kate Trinko. And I'm Rachel Del Judas. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, joins me on today's podcast to talk about President Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, and her confirmation hearings that are set to begin next week. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and please encourage others to subscribe. Now, on to our top news. The White House doctor, Sean Conley, said in an announcement on Tuesday that President Donald Trump no longer has symptoms of coronavirus. This morning, the president's team of physicians met with him in the residence. He had a restful first night at home, and today he reports no symptoms, Conley said in a Tuesday written statement. Trump returned to the White House Monday after being at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center since Friday evening after he and First Lady Melania Trump tested positive for the coronavirus. He had a restful first night at home, and today he reports no symptoms, Conley said. Vital signs and physical exam remain stable, with an ambulatory oxygen saturation level of 95 to 97%. Overall, he continues to do extremely well. I will provide updates as we know more. On Tuesday, President Trump tweeted, Flu season is coming up. Many people every year, sometimes over 100,000, and despite the vaccine, die from the flu. Are we going to close down our country? No, we have learned to live with it, just like we are learning to live with COVID, in most populations, far less lethal. Twitter posted on the tweet this message, which blocks it until you click through. This tweet violated the Twitter rules about spreading misleading and potentially harmful information related to COVID-19. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. Learn more. Facebook went a step further with a similar message from the president, taking it down entirely. Facebook spokesperson Andy Stone told NBC News, we remove incorrect information about the severity of COVID-19 and have now removed this post. President Trump tweeted, repeal section 230 in all capital letters, presumably a reference to the policies that allow tech companies to not be considered publishers and thus avoid certain litigation over libel and other matters because they are deemed to be neutral platforms. Trump says he's not going to keep negotiating with Democrats over a coronavirus relief bill. The president tweeted Tuesday, Nancy Pelosi is asking for $2.4 trillion to bail out poorly run, high crime Democrat states, money that is in no way related to COVID-19. We made a very generous offer of $1.6 trillion, and as usual, she is not negotiating in good faith. I am rejecting the request and looking to the future of our country. I've instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after the election. Next up, we have Rachel's interview with Senator Marsha Blackford about the confirmation hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. Are you looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues? Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. In The Agenda, you will learn what issues Heritage scholars on Capitol Hill are working on what position conservatives are taking, and links to our in-depth research. The Agenda also provides information on important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, as well as media interviews from our experts. Sign up for The Agenda on heritage.org today. 
I'm joined today on the Daily Signal podcast by Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator Blackburn, it's great to have you with us on the Daily Signal podcast. I am thrilled to join you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, it's great to have you with us. And you are part of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And next week, the confirmation hearings will be starting for Judge Amy Barrett, who is President Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Can you tell us a little bit about how you expect these hearings to go, given the whole current situation with coronavirus? Yes, we are going to follow a model which has been in place for the Senate since COVID hit, and that is called a hybrid model. And with this, the hearing is convened in person, but members and witnesses are allowed to attend virtually. And all total, the Senate has done about 150 hearings under this model, and the Senate Judiciary Committee itself has done 21 hearings on this model. So that's a model that we are going to use and we will begin on the 12th. We will wrap up on the 15th. We will vote her out of committee on the 22nd. And then I expect she'll be on the floor the 26th or 27th. Well, Democrats have uh, been supportive of virtual hearings up until now, but now they're demanding in-person hearings. What is your perspective in response to all this? They are trying to do anything they can do to delay this confirmation. What they would like is to have a liberal justice on the court. The reason for that is because they don't want to have a constitutionalist there who would block them from implementing socialized medicine and taking away the health insurance from 173 million Americans. Uh, They don't want a justice who would block their implementation of the Green New Deal and step on your private property rights. They want to be able to pack the Supreme Court. They want to be able to abolish the Electoral College and give statehood to D.C. and Puerto Rico. They have a very aggressive first hundred day agenda if they take the White House, the House, and the Senate. And that is what they're planning to move forward on. And they know that the Supreme Court could get in their way of achieving their goal of implementing that agenda. Well, how is the Senate Judiciary Committee Republican leadership responding to this pressure from Senate Democrats? We've set the schedule and we're moving forward on the schedule. And we just understand what it is that they are trying to do and why. Well, you're very passionate about the judge's personal life story. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? She is a role model, and it should be an encouragement to all women that, indeed, you can be a wife, a mother, a lawyer, a law professor, a judge, and have a wonderful family and home life. And that is what Judge Barrett and her husband have done. They have seven children. Two are adopted from Haiti. One has special needs. And they have figured out this work-life balance that so many of us, our working moms, have been able to figure out. So it is really encouraging to see her. She'd be the first mother with school-aged children on the court. So what a great role model for so many women. I find it also really interesting that what they're trying to do is use her religion against her. But isn't this what the left does? They take something that is a strength, and then they try to turn it into a negative. 
And that is what they're doing with Judge Barrett. Basically, what they are saying, if you're a woman of faith, if you're active in your church, in your religion, if you take your children to church every Sunday, then that should be a disqualifier from serving on the federal bench. And we know that that is not right. It is expressly prohibited from having a religious litmus test in this country for people that want to serve on the judiciary. And we know that a lot of the left would like to have only atheist or secularist on the federal bench. Well, Senator Blackburn, I want to get back to uh, the judge's role as a mom and some of the attacks she's seen there. But I do want to ask you a little bit more about the attacks we've seen on her faith. We saw them in 2017 with Senator Feinstein. And I wanted to ask you, do you think it's appropriate, we talked about this a little bit, but I want to talk about a little bit more, to attack someone's faith or religion during a confirmation hearing? No, I don't. And um, this came up during her circuit court confirmation hearing. And I have to tell you, to refer to your faith as dogma, to ask about orthodoxy in the manner that Senator Durbin did to attack the Knights of Columbus, which is something we've heard come from Senator Harris. In my opinion, it is just really misplaced and unseemly. And we have religious liberty in this country. We have uh, the right to worship. And for them to then begin to attack her and use this as a negative because she is a woman of faith is I think very unexpected and is something that's going to turn a lot of people off. Well, going back to some of the attacks the judge has seen uh, for her as uh, serving as a mother to her children, there was a Boston University professor who had said that Judge Barrett was a racist and a white colonizer for adopting uh, the two black children that she has. And I just was wondering, do you have any response or perspective to that statement from this professor? They feel as if you are pro-life, pro-family, pro-religion, pro-business, pro-military, then your voice does not deserve to be heard. And because of that, we know uh, that they are going to be attacking her and continuing to attack her. I thought it was so interesting when the reporter came out and said, oh, she has seven children. Does she have time to do this job? Would they ever have said that about a liberal woman? So now they're going to attack her for those values, for the actions that she has taken for not staying home and taking care of her children all day long every day. Well, multiple Democrat senators, including Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, Kristen Gillibrand, Richard Blumenthal, a few more have said that they are even refusing to meet with her before these hearings started. They said that this past week. What is your perspective on them refusing to even meet with her? I I think it's so disrespectful to just not even show up because you want to make a point. Now, think about what they're sending to millions of young girls and how they are completely discounting Judge Barrett. What do you suspect, uh, Senator Blackburn, some of the questions she'll receive from your colleagues as well as the colleagues across the aisle? Yeah, I think there will be questions about uh, the issue of abortion, Roe v. Wade, 
you're probably going to hear some about presidential overreach and immigration. You'll hear some about campus free speech. And then the judge has done over 100 opinions. So there are plenty of things for us to kind of work through and filter through to glean questions. I would imagine most of my colleagues are like me. They're working through that right now. How will you respond or how do you think it will be appropriate to uh, respond if we see attacks that kind of mirror what happened to now Justice Kavanaugh during his confirmation hearings? Are you expecting anything like that? And how do you uh, think that should be responded to if it does in fact happen? Well, we certainly think that it's going to happen. They have said as much. They want to delay the hearing uh, so that she doesn't get through prior to the election. So we're going into it expecting to hear that. And the response should be the president is doing his constitutionally mandated duty by appointing someone. He is following the historical precedents of our nation and making this nomination. He's not the first one to do it. It has happened 29 times in our nation's history. Now, we are going to do our constitutional duty. We're going to take up the nomination to confirm her. We will vote either to confirm or not to confirm, and then we'll send it back to the president. We've talked a little bit about how Judge Barrett is a mom of seven. She's a professor at Notre Dame, uh, served in the courts. And we've talked about the attacks that she has seen uh, for people in this country for everything that she has done. And so I wanted to ask you, what is all she has done in the attacks we've seen on her really demonstrate about the president's confidence in nominating her to the Supreme Court? The president felt like she was the best individual for the job. She is a constitutionalist. She's an originalist. And that is the type justice he wanted to see serve on the Supreme Court. And you're going to hear her talk a little bit about that when she comes up for the hearings. Well, finally, uh, Senator Blackburn, we've talked a little bit about this, but given uh, what we saw with Justice Kavanaugh and some of the attacks we've already seen on Judge Barrett, what is your overall perspective on how the media has handled the coverage of Judge Barrett so far? They have shown their bias and their prejudice against her, and we expect it will continue next week. Well, Senator Blackburn, it's been great to have you with us on the Daily Signal podcast. We hope to have you back. Uh, talking about the hearings once they've started. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh Uh-huh, bye-bye. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.